Welcome back to the latest season of the Dying to Ask podcast. Today we're doing a hybrid episode, hybrid kind of like the car I wish I had bought a few years ago, considering what it's costing to fill up an SUV in California these days. I digress. Part one of the show today is going to be a catch up on some recent episodes. We've had some interesting developments with some of our guests. And then part two is an interview with Tamron Hall. So let's start with part one. And, um, One thing that's been interesting about taking a break in the podcast from time to time, which I've done, you know, maybe twice a year, is that when you take a hiatus from producing an episode a week, the hiatus is awesome for your brain. It gives you time to get re-energized, to take the show in a new direction, to get really pumped, to do some new content. But the downside of taking the hiatus is you basically like fall from the podcast charts because podcasts are like chain letters in the 80s. Do you remember these where... You would, um, you'd get the, the letter in the mail and it said you had to make a copy of it and then send it to seven more people and that's what kept the chain going. And there was always this veiled threat that if you didn't send it to those seven people that like bad things would happen to the chain and it would all be your fault. And when I was nine, that kind of stuff kept me up at night. These days, podcasts, you know, you don't worry about bad things happening to you if you don't publish. But if you don't publish, you perish because the ratings and reviews move that show every week. So shows will drop off the podcast charts very quickly. Like within two weeks, it's, any show can drop off those charts. And your goal is always to, to get you know to the top 200, top 300 for an independent podcaster, which is really what I consider myself because we're a team of like two. It's like me and Brian Lau editor, um, you know, we don't have a huge group of people working with us. So if we can make it to top 200 on Apple's self-improvement podcast charts, that's pretty cool because you're competing with some big shows that have major staffs. So yeah, we fell off those podcast charts pretty quickly when we took our little hiatus. Um, That is also, by the way, a little inside thing for you, why your favorite shows likely are very predictable. They publish on the same day every week. They tell you that they'll be out on the same day. We, for example, are always out by Friday mornings. You should have a fresh episode in your phone to enjoy on your way to work or during your workout or over the weekend. So the goal is always to build a rhythm with podcasting. So we took our hiatus, um, which was awesome. And then it did take a couple of weeks to get back into the charts. So as of this week, we are back right around top 200 on Apple's self-improvement chart in the US. And that was with our episode with Dr. John White from WebMD, where he told us some of the ways you can lessen your chances of getting cancer with his awesome new book. Now, also of note, sidebar here, did you know that you can track podcasts in other countries around the world? We do, just because it's kind of interesting. And for some reason, this show, Dying to Ask, is killing it in Singapore. Seriously, we were top 50 podcasts in self-improvement in Singapore. I don't know why. I've been asked why we track so well in Singapore by some of my big bosses. And my go-to answer whenever I'm asked that is because I'm that good, Um, which sounds awful when you say it out loud. But then like when you laugh, it's all good after that. Um, But the truth is I have no idea. I do not know why we are doing so well in Singapore. I would love to go to Singapore and try to find this out. I did bring that up with the general manager. Um, she gave me then the blank look. So <laughs> for right now, it remains a big question mark. But I'll take a W because a W you didn't go out for that you got is just a great thing. All right, now let's talk about a few other show episodes, um, show episode updates. So a few weeks ago, we had the legendary voice of Iron Man, Mike Riley, on the podcast, and he was talking about the emotional boost that so many people are finding these days in taking on a big physical challenge like an Iron Man. And in that episode, I revealed publicly for the first time that over the last year, 
I had been training kind of on the down low for the inaugural Ironman California. It was basically my pandemic project. I thought we would be out of the pandemic by now, but you know, you know how that went. So the race was scheduled for Sunday, October 24th. What was not scheduled was the first rain in Northern California in 221 days. Seriously, the timing. So on the day that the Ironman was supposed to take place, we had in the Sacramento area nearly 24 hours of just torrential rain. Like Noah in the Ark wouldn't have stood a chance in this stuff. So during the prime hours of the race, it was just storming like I have never seen a storm before. So the race ended up getting canceled that morning. I ended up spending the day, instead of working out all day, I spent the day on the couch, like the whole day on the couch. I watched five inches of rainfall. There were 50 mile per hour wind gusts. Amazingly, the internet stayed on in the house. The TV kept going. The power was on. We started wine hour at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I will tell you what, it was one of the best days I've had in years. So relaxing. I watched more TV in one day than I have watched probably in the last two or three years combined. And what I thought was going to be this day of just exhaustion instead was this day of replenishment. And so I won. I didn't get to do the Ironman, but I did just enjoy the heck out of the day. And honestly, I really feel like the reason I could make that emotional pivot so quickly is because of a lot of the guests we've had on the show in the last year. You know, our goal has been to help people live a little bit bigger and just deal with the stuff that keeps coming at us. And so I just was really non-reactive to the disappointment, non-reactive. And I embraced relaxing like I have not in a long time. So it ended up being a great day. And our guest, Mike Riley, sent me such a nice text that morning, just basically saying, hey, it wasn't meant to be this year. So maybe we'll be back next year. The race will be back. I'm not sure I will be. <laughs> maybe as of right now, it's on the calendar. But stay tuned on that one. All right, next show update. Let's update our episode with TikTok star, Mrs. Space Cadet. This is Aaron Azar. Now, Aaron is the woman who taught us how to recognize a viral moment for what it can be, and that is an opportunity. So Erin went viral on TikTok with those hilarious running videos. Most of those videos detail her training for marathons that over the pandemic have been repeatedly canceled because of COVID. And she has she calls her videos Team Struggle Run, and she is so candid and honest about how hard this whole thing has been for her. So I reached out to Erin after I saw her on the Today Show and I had read about her in the New York Times, and I invited her I think I mentioned this in her episode, but I actually reached out to Erin with an invitation to come do the California International Marathon in December because I thought, oh, you know what? She's totally trained. Her marathon got canceled. Come to California. And she declined because at that point she wasn't comfortable flying yet because of COVID. But last weekend, she ran and finished the New York City Marathon, which was drivable from where she lives. And she did great. She was back on the Today Show, back in the New York Times, and no surprise, back on TikTok with lots of videos that she shot during the marathon. So go check out Mrs. Space Cadet on TikTok. Erin now has more than 700,000 followers on TikTok. All right, now we move on to today's interview. And this is a conversation with Tamron Hall about how pandemic lessons are impacting how she produces the Tamron Hall Show. 
The Tamron Hall Show is now in its third season. Tamron spent years at the Today Show and MSNBC after starting her career in local news in Texas and in Chicago. She also hosted Deadline Crime with Tamron Hall on Investigation Discovery. She's been doing that for the last six or seven years. She was part of the NBC News team as a co-host of Third Hour on Today. And then also, of course, she was the anchor of MSNBC Live with Tamron Hall every day. She received the 2015 Edward R. Murrow Award for reporting hard news and network television for her segment on domestic violence as part of today's Shine a Light series. If you've never seen it, Google it. It's outstanding work. So a few years back, she went out on her own with the Tamron Hall Show. Daytime TV, blending fun with news, which I just love. And it takes a lot of credibility to be able to do what she does. She can seamlessly go from hard news to the fun stuff and then back to hard news like a minute later. And not everybody can do that kind of thing. Tamron is one of those rare people who does it effortlessly. I'm just dying to ask what Tamron figured out during the pandemic while she was working from home that changed how she approached season three. The pandemic changed most of us. Tamron's hacks for observing that change in your community so that you can continue to be of service to others. And the real life inspiration behind Tamron's first work of fiction. She wrote a book while she was working from home and raising a toddler. After the interview, stay tuned, and I'll tell you how you can get free tickets to see Tamron Hall in person. Here's my conversation with Tamron Hall. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track of living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Tamron, I'm curious to ask you about how you went about choosing content for the show this season. I mean, our world is changing. We're still in the pandemic, but a lot of people are going back into the workforce or back into offices. Kids have been back in school. So how did you go about choosing guests and content, knowing kind of where we are in life right now? Really, Deirdre, that's exactly how we pick the content for the show. It is a continuation of season one and season two, but a big part of this, and you know, it's meeting people where we are. And that's why season three, we kicked off the show with the great mask debate over children wearing masks in school. I have a two and a half year old everywhere I went. That was something people talked about. And we wanted to be able to use my years as a journalist, 30 years, but also as a mom, and also as I hope, a friend that can hear someone's views on this side and respectfully disagree and hear someone's views on the other side of it, to be honest with you. And so mm -hmm. that's the spirit of the show. It is taking my years as a journalist, but also, I hope, the spirit of friendship and community where we can laugh together, cry together, talk about things, disagree, but still lead with respect and have a good time. Do you think um, that your audience has changed a little bit or evolved a little bit over the last year? I mean, I know most people, my girlfriends, we talk, we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm different than I was last year. How is the audience different, do you think? Yeah. I think the audience recognizes, A, um, the, the value of our show having a news 
um, appeal, to be honest with you. Of course, so we cooking segments and we do love and all of those things that I thoroughly enjoy. But I think when the pandemic happened, it did give the audience an opportunity to get to know me, not just as a daytime host, but also as a journalist. And we did shows um, over that year from my home that were very similar clearly to the news stories that you cover each and every day, but with a daytime tone to it, right? Because it is still daytime television. And I do serve a different purpose than the great work that you and KCRA do every day with your newscast. But it did give um, us an opportunity to show the difference in this show um, versus other daytime shows. And that doesn't mean one is good or one is bad because we all have these lanes that we occupy. But it was an opportunity to show this show and this vision of it in the light that I had always hoped, which was this hybrid, right? A world that you can have fun, but you can also have serious conversations in the middle of daytime. Right, that said, it must have been really nice to have an audience come back <laughs> because at least you get that kind of instant oh, feedback. Oh boy, was it people. ever. Listen, Deidre, I thought, okay, we can survive without an audience. And so I did the show from home, then we finally got in studio. Okay, great, I'm good, we can just, and then finally when the audience walked in at the beginning of September, I, no one was happier than me. I think the audience in Tampa were happy to be in and we still do giveaways and we celebrate with our, with our audience each and every day. But for me, it was like all of my best friends back in the room together and it's been wonderful. Yeah, no, it's nice to have that, that collaborative feel even if you're leading the show. Um, one thing you did on the pandemic is you, you actually pulled off something that a lot of people talked about doing, which was writing a book. And I love that you have written yeah. a fiction book that's kind of loosely based on those stories that we journalists have sitting back there that you wonder like whatever happened to, or you just don't really let go. And I love this yeah. book series you have coming out. Thank you so much. It is inspired by my years of reporting in two particular cases. One happened in Texas and one happened in Chicago, but they are very familiar and similar to the cases I covered when I hosted the show Deadline Crime. And as I said, as my years as a reporter, but this character, she happens to be a forensic scientist who enters the world of journalism as a reporter and she becomes uh, focused, laser focused on solving this case. But I wanted her to uh, be as familiar of a friend as Nancy Drew, for example. Was I love that. Reading the box sets growing up. So, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so Jordan Manning <laughs> is kind of a Nancy Drew meets Tamron Hall kind of character. Okay, I'm buying and that. I, I was thrilled to be able to write it. <laughs> That's really great. Well, congratulations on getting to flex that part of your brain and then also on the latest season of the show. Best of luck this season. Thank you, Deidre. If you'd like to check out Tamron's new book, it's called As the Wicked Watch, the first Jordan Manning novel. And I believe that the series is going to have four books. And the first one is available now if you'd like to go check that out. So people often ask me how they can get in the audience of one of their favorite shows. And the truth is it's actually a lot easier than you think. If you go to the show's website, there's usually a tab that says, be in the audience. They're pretty obvious like that. Tamron's drop down, for example, will ask you to pick the date that you want to go, and then you click to request free tickets. So here's how the COVID thing is working at shows like Tamron Hall. You have to be fully vaxxed, you have to wear a mask, duh, and you have to actually show the vaccine cards. So if you live in the state where a show is being taped, a lot of times they'll let you use whatever the state's digital vaccine service is. But uh, if you're coming from out of state, then you have to be able to show the card. So just something to think about. Tamron, by the way, tapes in New York. So you would need to just bring your card if that's something that interests you. Um, watching shows in person, if you've never done it, is super fun. The behind the scenes of a show like Tamron Hall is nine times out of 10, 
way more interesting than the show itself because TV is basically like a three ring circus and there's like 15 things going on behind the scenes as the thing that's actually on TV is going on. I should know. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a second and you can leave us a rating or a review wherever you're listening to us right now, I would really appreciate it. And if you have something on your mind or you'd like to suggest a guest, just reach out on Instagram. You'll find me at runreadsip. We'll talk to you next week on Dying to Ask.